Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding, and welcome back to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Yes, and on this episode, we're celebrating the 15th anniversary of, of the Disney Pixar classic, Ratatouille. That's right. This delicious movie about a rat who wants to be a chef and who does a lot of things, including manipulating the hair of an established cook to get there. Yes, and he, go, he goes on an adventure in, in the city of Paris. Exactly. Before we talk about Ratatouille, we're going to do a technology supercut about the 15th anniversary of Apple's original iPhone. It's crazy to think that the iPhone only came out 15 years ago. We're on, what, iPhone 13 now? Yeah, I think so, yes. And this, the, I remember when the original iPhone had been released. And it's crazy that the original iPhone is compared to today's iPhones are a lot smaller. They're so different. There's so many things about them that have changed. The size, yes, is a big part of it. Now, not only are iPhones a lot bigger, but you can also still get the mini versions, you know? Yes, that are like the sizes of the original one that came out 15 years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, the original iPhone. I remember when it came out, it was totally novel to have a touchscreen that didn't involve a stylus. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I could just use your fingers. And I remember my uncle and aunt, like one time when we were in Hawaii around Christmas and Hanukkah 2008, when iPhones were fairly new and there was still before the digital age, they showed us those things and not as many people even had them then, like most do now. Like It's true. Back then, all of the devices that people had, they had these physical buttons, you know, that you had to push, whether it was a flip phone or an iPod or a Zune, if you remember what that was. Like Microsoft did before they did Windows phones and things like that. Exactly. I also know uh, that Apple that same year released the iPod Touch, which is everything but a phone. And they have done later models, but I think they do fewer now for the iPod Touch. Yeah, because the iPhone with its phone meets touchscreen iPod capabilities combined music and everything you need from a telephone, including calling and texting, and then also have the internet. And this device revolutionized what a phone could be. We suddenly have these mini supercomputers in our hand. I know, and three years later is when Apple launched the iPad. Which is just an enlarged version of the iPhone without the phone. And it's a tablet. And what features did the original iPhone not have that we know iPhones to have today, Ezra? App Store, because Apple did not launch the App Store until a year later. Got it. Before there was the App Store, there were iPod games. Yeah, the App Store as we know it with the huge selection of applications for just about everything you could possibly want was not developed then. They just kind of gave you what you got on your phone, and that's what you had to use. And if you wanted games, you could get a few of them, but not very many. Yes, I know. Do you remember some of the original games on the iPhone? Yeah, like like a Texas Hold'em. Long before there were App Store classics today, such as Fruit Ninja, Cut the Rope, Angry Birds, and things like that. That's right. The introduction of this functioning touchscreen without a stylus really changed the game unintended for games that you could play on your mobile device yeah i know but those original games were just like what you said texas hold'em poker simpler games that were more user-based rather than swipey swipey 
and it's a lot more advanced now, especially with augmented reality, which wasn't even a thing back in like 2008 or nine. Oh, it was so far from being a thing. Yeah. The most the iPhone, the original iPhone had was a camera. I know. Yeah. And the photos that that camera took were pretty low quality. Yeah. They're shoddy compared to how a lot better they are now. Yeah. Now you've got iPhones that can capture crazy glorious colors and you know, do 3D camera stuff. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say to wrap up the iPhone, Ezra? It was a good technology flashback celebrating the 15th anniversary of the iPhone and talking about how it's come a long way. Yep. All right, now time for our feature presentation. Yes. So what we're talking about is Disney Pixar's eighth movie, Ratatouille, which came out on June 29th of 2007. This was only Disney Pixar's eighth movie? Yes, I know. It is directed by Brad Bird, who also directed The Incredibles. Gotcha. That makes sense. They're both really funny films. Yes, I know. Ratatouille was about a small rat named Remy, who's not like other rats who eat yucky things. That's right. He didn't want to eat garbage like all of the other rats in his colony did. He thought it was disgusting. He tried to talk his brother out of it, but his brother was pretty fine eating garbage. Yes, I know, and along with his dad also, who doesn't agree with what with Remy's points of view on being what he dreams of because of humans are can be pretty dangerous to rats and they can be their enemy. Mm-hmm. And so Remy has to escape his life as a rat and go and find a new opportunity to be something besides what a rat is typically. His idol was the world-famous chef Gusto, who's the founder of a world-famous restaurant. That's right. And Gusto's really powerful metaphor is anyone can cook. Yes, that's right. But unfortunately, despite how famous he became, he sadly passed away of a broken heart after losing one of his stars from the infamous food critic Ego. That's right. So Ego plays the villain of the film. He is the person who is making or breaking the restaurant, which Remy ultimately finds himself working in. Ego wasn't so much of a villain, more of an anti-hero. The one who was the villain who took over after Gusto died was Skinner, who was really extremely rude and liked barking out orders and also hated rodents. I agree with that. I think that Skinner, though, Skinner is more of an obstacle to... Remy and two Linguini. Yes, this young man who's been misfortunate with jobs and he wants to be a good cook at Gusto's. Mm-hmm. And so he and Remy work together and Skinner is an obstacle to them working together. He makes it more difficult for them to impress Ego. I know, yes. So I almost think that Skinner is, that Ego is also a villain and Skinner is a conflict. Yes, I know. I remember Colette, who's the the toughest and most powerful chef, as well as the only female who Linguini had a crush on. She does. She is a badass. She's super spunky. She has no issue telling people what to do. Isn't she the sous chef in the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah, so she's ultimately kind of in charge. I remember, yes. Remy tries to show a meal and his dad, the rat colony, but Django tries to warn Remy that he might be happy living with what he's doing, but he's also trying to warn him about what humans are like to rats. They use things that kill them and they treat them as pests. 
Exactly. So that's the underlying conflict of the whole film is that, you know, what is the opposite of clinging, thoughtful, intentional, fine dining? It is the, you know, underworld dwelling rats who pick up the garbage of the humans. I know, yes. There's a total juxtaposition between the life that Remy's family leads and what he aspires to do. I know, yes. I remember Remy wants to bring food to his family in the pantry at the kitchen, and then Remy gets caught by Skinner, and then he thinks it's hopeless and that he's lost lost his dreams. Yeah, yeah. There's a moment where he really doesn't think that bridging the gap between the world he comes from and the world he's going to, the human world, is possible. But later he and his rat clan do come back to Gusto's and work together as a team to pursue his dream once and for all. Yeah, well, that's a fantastic scene where Colette comes back to help out because she's had a change of heart. She opens up the doors in the kitchen and sees the entire colony of rats in the kitchen. I know, yeah. They're helping cook under Remy's direction. I know, yes. And then they make ratatouille for Ego, the food critic, who came and then he takes a bite out of it. But it changes him completely. And he remembers when he was a little boy when his mom used to make him that. Because that's the power of food. But then Ego at the end has a change of heart. And at the end, he writes a beautiful, a beautiful, touching, emotional speech. And then, although despite all that, Gusto's sadly closed for good because Chef Skinner said earlier in the film, you know what would happen if anybody found out where rats were here? Then we would close down for good. Yeah, it's true. They they can't ultimately resolve that because no one wants a restaurant where everything is cooked by rats. Well, even though Gusto's closed permanently, it ultimately became the restaurant of Remy's dreams. It did. And it made Remy's brother and his dad and the rest of his rat clan proud. Yeah, it was a really great resolution. Now, do you foresee a sequel being made to Ratatouille, Ezra? Probably not anytime soon, the same way, like, of course, Toy Story got a few sequels and Finding Nemo got Finding Dory, Incredibles, which was directed by the same person, got a sequel. Monsters, Inc. got a prequel, Monsters University, and Cars got two sequels. I don't think it's likely that it will like those other classics from Pixar did. Why not? Maybe because mm, it was good as a standalone movie, not as a saga for two or more. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree. I think that this film, people really loved it on its own. And I don't think that they would be able to extend this plot in a way that was plausible. That said, I don't think that's enough reason for them to stop these studios who really like making sequels. So I would anticipate a sequel coming at some point in the future, if not soon. Well, it did get a legacy, though. For Like, for instance, there was a tie-in game with the movie, I know, but it did receive a mixed reaction, unlike the film, which was critically acclaimed. Got it. Yeah, I've seen advertisements for the for the Ratatouille video game, and it looks kind of fun. It's based around Remy going on all these different adventures and having to complete these tasks. I know, although Ratatouille had good music, the only song in the film that had words was Le Fiston, performed by French singer Camille. That's an interesting observation. That's right. It was entirely in French. The music is a really big part of the film because it creates this ambiance of being in Paris in this really romanticized world of high cuisine. Yes, I know. And scored by Michael Giacchino, who scored the music for The Incredibles, as well as Up, the second Cars movie, Zootopia, Coco, and others. 
Oh, cool. And all of those films have really different music and different atmospheres, so that's quite impressive. Yeah, I know. One of the pieces of soundtrack that stands out to me is the soundtrack that underscores the scene where Remy takes a bite of the cheese and the strawberry and is kind of launched into this dreamy world of color. And you got music playing and it's supposed to demonstrate what it's like to eat something that that blows your mind. I know. I remember that with all with like the color and the taste and all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a great visualization of incredible taste. I know. Yes. And I know the co-director for the movie is Jan Pacava. It was the, actually the story writer who also directed the short film Jerry's Game. Oh, cool. I didn't see that one. What was Jerry's Game about? The old man playing chess in the park and it originally accompanied Ratatouille, A Bug's Life. A Bug's Life. Got it. I know that there was a The Incredibles, Wally, Up, Brave, Monsters, Inc., and Cars got shorts accompanying the home video releases. Ratatouille did as well with a short called Your Friend the Rat, where Remy teaches, along with his younger brother Emil, teach about rats and why they're special. That's right. There were several spinoffs. Like, I remember um, one of the trailers for that film was clip of Remy speaking directly to the camera and those were shots that weren't included in the final movie. Same same with teasers they used for previous Pixar films, Monsters Incorporated, Finding Nemo, Incredibles, and Cars. Got it. Yeah, so they're introducing the world to you without spoiling any of the content of the movie. Yes, that's right. That's what they did with Pixar's previous four movies. And I know Ratatouille does actually have a ride in a couple of the Disney parks, like in the Walt Disney Studios Park in Disneyland Paris, which opened in 2014. Oh, really? What do you ride in? A rat-shaped vehicle where you shrink to the size of a rat, end up in the kitchen, and follow Remy on his adventures. Oh, fun. I always thought that the way that Remy runs around the kitchen looks like quite a fun time. He does a lot of scrambling and... I know. They also have it in Epcot at Walt Disney World, which just opened on October 1st for Walt Disney World's 50th. Cool, cool. So lots more people will get to experience the Ratatouille ride. And the way that Remy runs around the kitchen. I know, yes. There's also a Ratatouille restaurant in Paris and in Epcot in Walt Disney World, where I really think that Remy, who's a rat, is a cook for real. They make a thing that's meant to be make-believe come to life. That's really cool. You know, Remy, I thought, was one of Pixar's most relatable characters, despite being a rat. You know, the way that he has his dreams and pursues them and talks about them. It's really inspiring, and so I love that they made that into a real attraction that people can participate in and he's voiced by stand-up comedian Pat Oswalt yes sir and he's not French in that film which I think is important to note because everyone else is and I know Lou Romano who's an who's an artist for Pixar who voiced Linguini previously voiced Bertie Crop, Dash's teacher in The Incredibles and um Scott Rod one of the pranksters from Cars oh cool so this is his biggest role I know yeah I know that who voiced Colette was Janine Garofolo, who she's an American actress, but she spoke in a French accent. That's right. She had the most prominent French accent of anyone in the film. The waiter, Mustafa, was voiced by recurring voice, Pixar voice, John Berger. And unlike other voices he did in their other films, his character had an accent. Got it. Again, this film was supposed to take place in Paris, but you don't hear a lot of French accents in the film. Mainly it's Colette and Skinner. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know also that uh, Peter Sons, Pixar story artist, voiced Emile, Remy's brother. So it sounds like they took a lot of people from inside Pixar to do these voices, huh? People who weren't necessarily voice actors. Yes, I understand. I get what you're saying. Yeah. 
Uh, it's good, but I forgot to mention also Ratatouille got an unofficial TikTok musical during the time of COVID. It did, with people acting the entire plot of the film out on TikTok. Yes, I know. Disney and Pixar was not in any way endorsed or affiliated with it. Nope, this is a bunch of people who came up with it on their own. I thought it was really clever. People, like Remy, a per- real person playing Remy, they didn't use any real living rats. <laughs> no, that would have been pretty gross if they had. I know, yes. All right, should we wrap up our conversation about Ratatouille, Ezra? Yes. Any last words? What a, a funny and amusing movie that was very unique and original and a fun film from our childhood. Agreed. I love this movie. It's probably one of my top three favorite Pixar movies. I think it's really relatable. You said me earlier, the other two would be Incredibles and Cars. Yes, yes. But Ratatouille is definitely up there. I like it though, but it. not as much as some others I like a bit more. Like Inside Out, Monsters, Inc. and it's Monsters University and all three of the Cars movies. I just like those ones a bit more because they're more colorful and fun. That's just why I like them better in my opinion. And that's all right. That's all right. I like Ratatouille for how for how authentic Remy's dreams are and for all of the different quirky characters and clever scenarios that they find themselves working in. I think it's a great film. So that's it for our conversation about Ratatouille today. We're going to move on into trivia. And last week's trivia question was... Who was going to be the voice of Hades originally? And the answer is... It was Jack Nicholson who was intended to be the voice of Hades before before James Woods was cast. That's right. And it was suggested by Danny DeVito, who played Phil. Jack Nicholson has the perfect scary voice, but ultimately James Woods did his own characterization of Hades, which, as we discussed last episode, we thought was pretty successful and very funny. Yes, I know. And now, this week's trivia question is... A shadow of what character from Up, which came out two years later, appeared in one part of Ratatouille? If you think you know the answer, be sure to tune in next week to find out. See you next time on on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! Thanks for listening. Goodbye! (laughs) 